There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. This episode contains discussion on sexual assault and rape. If you find this subject triggering or you yourself have experienced sexual assault or rape and need help, call 1-800-RESPECT. That's 1-800-737-732. A sexual assault advocate, writer, public speaker and artist, Marnie Goodfriend's activism spans over two decades. She is the founder of Right to Healing, a movement to help sexual assault survivors reauthor their experience through the written word. She has worked with the Silence Breakers, Mariska Hargitay's Joyful Heart Foundation, USC's Violence Intervention Program, Peace Over Violence, and changemakers including Rosanna Arquette and Rose McGowan. During our conversation, Marnie and I discussed the power of writing and how it can heal and uncover what's holding us back in trauma, regardless of what happened. Welcome, Marnie, to The Ethical Evolution. Thank you, Bindi. Thanks for having me. I am uh, so glad you could join us today. Now, you're joining us all from the east side of the USA. Uh, Now, Marnie, for those people who don't know who you are and what you do, can you tell us your story? Sure. So, my name is Marnie Goodfriend. I'm a sexual assault advocate, writer, and consultant. And uh, I have a company called Right to Healing, and I help uh, sexual assault survivors reauthor their experience through the written word. Mm, that's, and I, I was checking out your website this morning, and you do amazing work, absolutely amazing work. And, and you know, the reach that you've got in what you do, um, you know, you're touching more and more people every day, which I think is incredible. Um, and you've also worked with um, like NY, NYPD, SVU and, and people like that. Is that right? I have, you know, and the NY, I can't say enough incredible things anytime I have an opportunity to say how much I'm in debt and in gratitude to the NYPD Special Victims Unit. Uh, I'm, they are, they're the first uh, unit um, in the Special Victims Unit in the U.S. Um, and it's really the blueprint for all SVU units. So everyone who loves uh, CSI, um, SVU, it's uh, those detectives. I mean, they pull from the the New York City mm. headlines and they know those detectives very well. So I've been at events where the actors have been there and the detectives have been there and it's really sweet to see them together um, and know how much the the actors and 
the people who write the show rely on uh, their stories and and draw inspiration from from them. And you know, it's it's an incredible way of gaining awareness of what's actually going on in the community, isn't it? Um, you know, to the point where Mariska Hargitay, she's also got her foundation where she su- supports um, this cause as well, right? Absolutely. So yeah, Mariska is um, she's had a nonprofit since, and of course, all these things date me um, <laughs> since the the nineties and, um, joyful heart foundation began as a, uh, it was a healing retreat. Uh, so you could sign up and it was like, she just sent a group of, I believe it was women away for a healing arts retreat. And I was like, Oh, please pick me, please Mm. pick me. And, uh, and that is a, a very necessary part of uh the the survivor journey one that's overlooked and an area that I'm I'm very much focused on today having been an advocate for over 20 years her uh organization has shifted to the backlog and that's of course another uh major issue that and and an, an epidemic that we have uh a rape kit backlog um I, I, you know, I know for this country, it's, um, you know, kits go untested every single day and, uh, you know, the federal funding is needed, um, in order for those, those kits to be tested, but it's, it's complicated. You know, it's not that, you know, we, we have the federal funding and then the kits just magically get tested. So then, uh, those precincts need to, they need to apply for grants and funding. And then that funding act needs to be, it, it needs to be used properly. Uh, so there needs to be checks and balances on uh, when that money gets allocated for rape kit testing. But that just to jump forward in my story that my, my case was, was a cold case hit. Mm. So uh, DNA backlog is certainly an area that I'm very passionate about as well. There's just so many stories that go untold as well, aren't there? Like <clears throat> particularly there are so many women who are assaulted, and I am going to say women in this case, um, who just don't have the strength to get help. They don't have the strength to talk to anyone about it and they just want to keep it a secret. Yeah, I don't know if it's a want or if it's just a a feeling. There's certainly the the feeling of not being believed there's um how this is going to change my life you know having i myself am a survivor and i'm a survivor of a stranger rape and even in that case um you know not knowing the person it you know changed the trajectory of my life Mm -hmm. it changed my relationships with my friends my family uh and then other areas that people don't think about i lost my job Mm-hmm. I lost my apartment. Uh, I and I certainly lost my identity. So, you know, when you start to weigh in all of these these aspects of your life that will change, um, and you know, in coming forward, it's um, be quite challenging, you know, and to find someone that you really trust. Um, to 
not only to believe you, but that's going to be able to offer you support and guidance. Mm. So, you know, there's, there's step one, which is I've told my story and somebody believes me. And then there's step two, like, where do we go from here? Mm. Mm. And I've had uh, previous guests on the show who um, have had, who've also been survivors um, and are also helping other women uh, to get help, but probably more in a real time uh, experience. So when they're, this is probably more domestic and family violence um, where, uh, you know, they're stuck in that cycle and they're trying to get out. um, But there's not a lot of real time help for people when they're in that crisis. Um, Is that something that you notice as well in the advocacy work that you do? Absolutely. And, you know, my, my focus today is more on as, you know, as I've been an advocate for, for as long as I have over two decades, I, I realized that, you know, what, you know, what basically I got involved in helping other people long before I had healed myself. Mm. And it was a way for me to, it was much easier to focus on other people's problems. It was much easier for me to say that I'm, I'm recovered. I've made it to the other side. Mm. And in, in a way I was, I was public, but I was hiding in a public persona. And so it's, uh, you know, what I've realized over the years is that there, there isn't a lot of emphasis on just pausing and slowing things down for survivors and asking them like to like, what do you need? Mm. How can we help you? And I willingly thrust myself into the limelight very, very quickly, but I don't remember many people asking me or, or there being other alternatives available to me. It wasn't like, you know, here's some, some healing, you know, techniques that you can use. Here's, here's some other opportunities. It was like, do you want to join the speakers bureau? And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the organizations that I've worked with and I continue to work with. It's just for me at that time, I, I wasn't ready. I just, I just didn't know it. However, I appeared to be fine. That was, you know, my high, highly functioning uh, brain at work protecting myself and saying I was okay when I wasn't. Mm. And one of the things that I love about what you do is you're another one of these people that has taken pain and turned it into purpose. Um, so taking your experience and not only going on that healing journey for yourself but also for others and and I just I gotta congratulate you for that that's that's incredible thank you for me what drives me is you know it's it really feels necessary not only collectively to you know to be of service this is an area where I know I can be of service to other people. It's comfortable for me. Mm. And I know it's not comfortable for most people. So this is, this is where I belong and I'm very happy to, to be here. And um, I'm just glad that 
I've been able to take the time to do the healing that I didn't do many years ago when I was first assaulted. Mm. And I think one of the other amazing things about writing um, is the healing effect that it's got. Um, I had another guest who uh, actually, uh, well, she was a teacher, she was a, a priest, uh, and she had um, 21 different alters in her personality. Um, so she had multiple personality disorder. And the way that she got through it and managed all those personalities was to write. And she now does writing workshops with other people. So it allows that other side of the brain to actually engage and, and to help in that healing process. And, and it sounds like very similar to um, what you're doing. Yes. I, I often say, well, first of all, if I have a, an, an essay workshop, I mean, what prompted my, my writing workshops for survivors is that uh, if I, if, if I had a writing workshop, uh, it was 99% of my students were women and a hundred percent of them were writing about trauma. Mm. So, I mean, I would sometimes say like, Hey guys, you know, you can write about anything, mm. you know, you're, you have the freedom to write about anything, but I, I always focused on creating a safe space and letting them know this is like you can, you can explore whatever you want to explore. And I think that sort of, you know, safety led them to, you know, to release some stories that, that live, you know, that live in our bodies, they live in our minds, they affect us emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, and they really take their tolls. So when you begin to write about them with freedom and knowing that no one's reading it. Um, the only people who you're sharing it with is a small group of other people sharing their experiences. Um, one of my, one of my uh, students said to me, uh, you know, this has done like what years of therapy that was just the greatest compliment. Mm. And she's been a longtime client of mine. She's writing a book now. And I, I'm honored that she, that she trusts me to, you know, to shepherd her through this, you know, this time, because, you know, it's, there is the release, um, but it's also not easy. Mm. So, you know, uh, I also practice mindfulness and, and also really, you know, considering, you know, once we write these stories, like, do, do you want to share it with anyone? Mm. Or is this a story that maybe that you want to, not that you want to keep because you've released it from your body, but you don't have to share it with mm. the world. You don't have to publish it. Um, and just having that, you've cleared so much space in your, in your mind, you've cleared so much uh, negative energy from your body. And that is, that is plenty. Mm. So just like being an acceptance of, of, you know, where you are and having those really profoundly important boundaries. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, for me, my experience um, in journaling uh, through a lot of my healing 
um, was invaluable. You know, like like you said, it is like its own therapy because even though, you know, you could talk to someone, it's not the same thing. Like actually that physical art of picking up a pen and writing it on paper, even if you type it in a journal online, um, getting it out in your own words without anybody else hearing it but knowing it's leaving you, like that, that is actually a relief if you can get that out of you and acknowledge it as well. I think it's part of that recognition that this has happened and now I'm just going to let it go on the page. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, it's no longer just a part of you, inside of you. Um, I mean, a, a pen and paper I mean, they are, they're your best friends because mm. like they, they can take it. <laughs> they can take whatever story you've got for them, whatever experience you've had, they can handle it. So you, you can, um, and journaling is, is such a gift. It's such an important practice because, you know, I, I remind myself and I remind my clients, you know, that, uh, our best stories um, and the are the the healing that comes out of writing, you know, with with real freedom um, and not editing yourself because that's what happens mm. in the real world. Mm. Like when we start speaking and we start editing, you know, our our thoughts. But when we're journaling, we're free writing. That's like that's when our minds are really able to let go of like whatever is is um, holding us back or the stories that we haven't been able to share with other people. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you felt that, you know, that release of, I mean, as you said, mm. um, feeling that release of, of um, knowing that, that uh, it's not, it's not holding you captive anymore. Mm. And I think um, another um, valuable part of it for me this year has been going back and reading things from the beginning of the year and then um, looking at where I'm at now and going, wow, all those things that you wanted back then or you wanted to achieve or that were an issue then are not now and you've done all the things that you, you know, that were your goals. Look, look at how far you've come. Um, so I think that reflection piece is also really important, particularly if you're really doing the healing and you're doing the work and you're getting the results. I think to go back and go, well, look how far I've come. Yes, it's amazing to reread our words and to see where we were and how much we've grown. And I have, I mean, to me, like whether you you type it or, you know, or write in a journal, it it doesn't you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's all the same. However, for me, I do have a daily practice of writing, um, a list of things that I'm proud of from the day before, um, my gratitude list, um, and also my, my fears. Mm. And so in turning over those fears and writing them down, that's an amazing process of looking back and seeing all the things that I was fear, fearful of that never happened. Mm, mm. And isn't it funny, you know, we, we are the stories we tell ourselves. Um, like that, like the, what we say in our own heads and what we tell ourselves, it's far worse than the reality that we're experiencing. Oh, yes. We, <laughs> like, we re- rewrite some horror stories for ourselves, mm. you know, 
and and uh you know we're we're, we're future tripping all the time and mm. that's that's why you know we i think as a society you know leaning into yoga and meditation and and finding that that peace and the present has been so important and and you know people are responding to that because we all need to take a, a breath mm. and uh and and just be where we are right now and and in acceptance of of where we are and that's like that's where we really grow mm. We think it's about all these plans for the future and that we have to get there so quickly when it's really just about just, you know, self-acceptance and, and also that that's like when our visions come through, mm. that's where we can clear a space for like, what, what do I, what do I want from my life? Who do I want to be with? Um, what do I want to manifest? And um, I, for me personally, you know, forcing my will and feeling this, this pressure to like press the gas pedal and get there quickly, it just never works. Mm. Mm. So, you know, and that's, that's certainly a part of the, the work that I've done for so many years. And, and, you know, I've been able to reclaim this space in the advocacy world and, it's very different than what it used to be. I would, I would say yes to every speaking engagement. Mm. Uh, it didn't matter what the topic was. Uh, I remember uh, working a full-time job and I was asked to be a keynote speaker at this college. I was working in New York city and I said, sure, of course, you know, of course I was going to say yes. I told my boss that I had a doctor's appointment. I wrote the keynote speech on the subway. I gave a keynote speech to uh, medical examiners, um, nurse practitioners, uh, law enforcement officers, and then I went back to work. And, you know, at looking back on it, like, it, that's just not healthy. Mm. <laughs> it's just. I just didn't take a moment to take care of myself. I was constantly moving and and wanting so much to just help other people and just not taking the time to do that for myself and really not finding the resources um, available um, to me mm. or or you know some maternal force that would say like hey Marnie like maybe you need a break right now yeah I think a lot of us that are, are mission driven um, in some way um, always put ourselves last um, and it's it's something that we always have to work on so um, you know if you can make that space for yourself and and you know find the present moment um, gosh the the that's just going to make you reach your mission even better I think yeah you know you know, we have to practice what we preach. So, and I think that's one of the hardest things to do when we want to see change in the world, because it's, uh, it feels so urgent Mm. and in many ways it is, but I know at least for me, the more I focus on my, my own self-care, 
uh, and my own mental health, uh, the, the better I can, I, that's when I can show up for other people and, and truly be of service, uh, and, and be really present, be an active listener. Um, I was, uh, I was an ER advocate in New York city. So I would go into, uh, hospitals and, uh, when social workers went, go home at night, they call they they call advocates, and uh, that's th- that was the the first time I really learned about active listening mm. to just be there and just listen, and uh, and what what a tremendous gift that is. Mm. So I think I learned to just slow down a, a little bit in those moments as as an ad, as an I had an, an ER advocate myself, so that was my a big pay it for, uh, forward moment for me was to um, to become one myself. That's amazing. For, for now, people. Marnie, tell us about your writing. I think I saw somewhere that you'd been working on a screenplay. Oh yes, so uh, I have. I'm a creative nonfiction writer, so. Uh, in 2014, I uh, I took my first adult writing class. I'd been involved in writing as a kid and in high school, and I did a, a wonderful summer program when I was in college um, with Skidmore College, and and then yeah, I just didn't I didn't know anyone who was an author. I didn't know anyone who was a screenwriter, so I just I didn't see that as a as a career path. And then I moved to Los Angeles. So, um, and if you move to Los Angeles, you are, you'll, you're going to write a screenplay, um, or be involved in some screenplay. You'll definitely find yourself at a reading. If that doesn't happen, like you're, you're going to be at someone's reading at some point and you're, going to be so, like somehow peripherally involved in some reality TV show. <laughs> Those three, three things are like guaranteed to happen. Uh, so um, that being said, I guess I started in, with memoir and I, the first memoir I wrote was, um, was about my, my personal story, which is a whole other story. Um, and I, uh, and I wrote it in a child's voice and I, it, it, uh, it was very healing for me. And, and, and my first writing instructor, I remember him asking me like, okay, so what's your, what's your story about? And I, and I said, well, you know, I was, uh, you know, my, my adoption was orchestrated by a baby broker and, um, I grew up in this, like, you know, this crazy home and, um, and then, uh, and then I was like attacked at 22 at knife point and, and I just kept going on and he's like, when, where's the end of this book? And I was like, I, I don't know, like now. And he said, you, you know, you can write more than one book. And I said, I can, <laughs> I like, I thought like, who would want to read more than one I thought you'd get one shot that's it but that's not that's not creative nonfiction. you can write you can write several books you can write a, a book about a single day so 
anyhow, so when I wrote the uh, when I wrote the first draft of the the story about my my sexual assault, I, I shared it with a friend, and she's like, "This is it's this is visual. This is this is a screenplay." And I thought okay, well, here I am, you know, in Los Angeles, <laughs> there's got to be like somewhere around. And actually I, I, uh, I enlisted my, my ex-husband to, uh, we sat down and we did some writing and he, you know, he was there during the trial and, uh, we've known each other for a very long time. So, uh, it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. So I'm rewriting it now mm-hmm. but uh but I met with a lot of great people um who you know champion the story and you know it's a it's a I lived in New York City when uh you know during the the 90s when you know indie rock and alternative was was it wasn't the the norm it was the alter it really was alternative um that really meant something and it was just a such a magical time in in new york city and you know despite what happened to me so that's the backdrop mm-hmm. um working you know working in the music industry which was as exciting as it sounds it really was a lot of fun and there's so many great stories and and those people also really supported me and uh, it really was the, literally the soundtrack to my, my twenties. So, you know, I kind of took, it's a based on, you know, mm. real life events and I, you know, I built other characters from uh, just from other life experiences and people I know. And uh yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's fun be, to, uh, you know, sort of reimagine uh, your life and your experience and bring other, other things that didn't happen, you know, into uh, a story and, yeah. uh, you know, just tell it in a, in a, in a different way. It sounds incredible. Um, I, I, and is the goal for us to see that on Netflix sometime soon? I hope so. So I just, you know, I just need to do an, an another draft now, and then we can we can go out again. And um, we actually we had our meetings. Um, I have a wonderful producing partner, and she's uh, she's she does great work. Um, it's Rosanna Arquette, and wow. so um, she's um, she's a, a dear friend, and. She was the one. She's like, you got to write this morning. Mm. And I was like, okay, so I guess I'm writing this. And uh, we had a lot, yeah, we had a lot of great meetings uh, right up until, I think that was the the last place I I went before everything shut down was we had a meeting with um, with someone at Amazon. And then, you know, that was it. I think we did have one meeting on Zoom uh, during Yes, we did during the pandemic, which was actually quite good. Mm. But um, yeah, so I need to go. Now that I'm in Connecticut, I have this little writing shed. So I need to like spend a little time in my writing shed. And uh, it's incredible. I can't I can't wait to see it. So you'll have to let us know um, how it progresses. I will. <clears throat> I will. Now, Marnie, if people want to find out more about you and get in touch, where can they go? 
So my website is uh, right to healing. So it's W R I T E T O a T O. Can I say that again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can visit me at uh, right to healing.com. So that's right. W R I T to healing.com. And my Instagram's Marnie Goodfriend, and my Twitter is something else. I'm not very active on Twitter, but you can definitely find me on Instagram, and I'm pretty active there. Um, I welcome anyone to reach out, um, especially survivors. I I want to hear from you. I hear from a survivor. I would say at least three or four times a month. And it's, it's really a privilege to, uh, to just hold space Mm. and to be able to, to give someone the, the, what, maybe what I didn't have Mm. at the time. And whether that's means somebody just needs to be heard, maybe they need resources, maybe they want to write something. So, you know, I, I consult for, uh, TV and films um, I speak all across the country and uh, yeah, I just, it's, it's been full circle for me to come back to my advocacy in a new way and just merge my, my writing and advocacy and activism under one umbrella. Well, we could all use someone like you in our lives, Marnie. Um, I've got the last big question for you. What's, what's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Whew. Change I would like to see in the world and how we could bring it to life. I want us to, I, the change I would like to see is equality. I think that like every, every social ill, every, um, every challenge that we have in, in the world, it's about relationships. It's about the way that we see each other. And I would love for us to see each other as equals and to recognize each other's strengths and to support one another and to know how much we can learn and grow um, when we open ourselves up to learning from other people, learning from other communities and um, from other countries, and um, it just that—that's where that that understanding. Um, I believe that that's where it would where it comes from, and uh, yeah, I, and I I know that will, will help with sexual assault, but I believe across the board that will that will help. Oh, the ripple effect from that alone on so many parts of life would be incredible. Yes. Mm. So, you know, it just, you start small, you know, you say hello to a stranger. um, You just compliment someone, you know, on something that, you know, I like your earrings or tell me more about that, that story. You know, people want to be heard. People want to just be recognized um in some small way Mm. and that will you know make somebody's day and I think if we all do that this would be we we would live in a much kinder gentler world 
Mm, amen. Amen. Well, I can't thank you enough, Marnie, for being a part of the ethical evolution. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.